Hey, I'm Foz. And I'm Becca. And this is a podcast where two friends gather on the sofa to talk about things that people don't really talk about that much. Welcome to Under the Rug. Hello, welcome to the first episode of Under the Rug, where, like we said in the intro, we're going to be talking about things that, well, I don't know, groups of friends don't really get to speak about all that much. Some things that uh, quite literally swept under the rug. Yeah, anything from periods to grief to money, even suicide, all of the cheery things, I promise. I should also point out that, um, yeah, although it says in the intro that we're gathering on the sofa, we are part of a bubble in these coronavirus uh, days so we're, we're not breaking any rules rest assured should we just sort of give like a brief background about how we know each other you just say we're friends we're friends <laughs> yeah yeah we're friends uh, but we i guess like the sounds of our own voices we love the sounds of our own voices we've really wanted to do a podcast for a long time 21 21 2020 <laughs> 2021 new year new me all the rest of it uh so we obviously weren't going to die wondering we, we we're going to do it right and we wanted to do it because we wanted to do it not because we didn't want to got know, fuck all else to do we've got fuck all else to do <laughs> it's lockdown 3.0 <laughs> what i meant was that we didn't want to let fear get in the way of doing something that we actually wanted to do yes true yes we've both wanted to do it do a podcast yeah, we've both wanted to do our own podcasts for quite a long time, I would say, and each had different ideas. And then it just felt like, well, you just got to do it. Yeah. If you're going to do it, you just have to do it. Yeah. And I'm sure we're probably not the only ones who have been sat on a table when we've had dinner or whatever, social gathering. And then it's like, why haven't we recorded this conversation? Right? Yeah. All right, or maybe we're the only ones. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just thinking, have I thought that? <laughs> have I ever thought that sober? <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So, in fact, actually, that's a good point because we shouldn't really be doing this sober. So we'll, we, we will have a drink. After dry January. Uh, which we will be after dry January. But even with the no-lows, we love the no-lows. We do love the no-lows, it's true. So we'll be, we'll be speaking about what we're going to be drinking. Uh, try and give you a picture around that. And we're going to be talking about uh, what we've been sweeping under the rug uh, each week. So basically, uh, give you a story about how our weeks have gone. Uh, in a way, talking about something that maybe we wouldn't have discussed uh, if we hadn't had this this yeah. this space. Yeah. Essentially, space. essentially things that no one cares about, but it's an accountability session <laughs> for each of us. Yeah, it's basically we've got to try and think of something to speak about every week so that we have a reason to do a podcast, so that we we can we can you know obviously be living our best lives, right? Mm, mm-hmm, mm. So this week we are talking about body image, mainly, although the conversation which we recorded last week, uh, which is like you're going to listen to, uh, is quite long and rambly and it goes a little bit off, off, off script. Yeah. Just like a normal conversation, I would say. Exactly. So that gives you a flavor of what this podcast will be like, which is just like two friends talking to each other. Being real with each other. Being real. Being vulnerable. Being vulnerable. Pulling up the rug. Getting that dust out. Absolutely. You've got to take the hoover to that kind of stuff, hoover it out, get it out of your life, talk about it. No more allergies. Absolutely. All of those. Uh, Right, with that out of the way, then let's uh, hop right into it. Let's. (laughs) Did you have anything in mind that you wanted to speak about? 
I was trying to remember, if I'm completely honest, I couldn't quite remember what the premise was yeah. <laughs> beyond us chatting. Um, so I was listening to um, I was listening to a podcast on my run this morning yeah. um, that was talking a bit about free speech and plat- you know no platforming and and like the lines between um, freedom of speech and freedom of consequences and all of that stuff. And I thought, oh, this could be an interesting thing to talk about. And then I was like, do I know enough about this? I was like, I probably have some opinions. It doesn't mean I know enough. Well, that's the thing, because you kind of need to do, I was thinking about this, could probably need to do like a bit of research on what we were going to talk about first. I listened to a podcast today, which was about uh, young women getting plastic surgery uh and specifically uh, the butt lift. Oh, really? The Brazilian Gosh. butt lift. Oh, yeah. You've heard about this. I this have, is like yeah. a thing. And they're going to Turkey to get it. And like some in, uh, influencers have been like getting these things for free. And then people have been going over and then like getting, uh, getting dodgy surgery in Turkey and then coming back and not being able to do anything about it. But the Instagrammer, like who was, who was sort of used for the documentary, they said, uh, you know, I had like a, a peach of a bum to begin with, but like, you know, watching all of this stuff on social media, like I needed more, I needed more body, needed to be bigger. And like, I was all about body positivity and stuff, but you know, I just wanted to do this with my body. So I had no choice, but to go out to Turkey and pay four grand, but like, it's just a, a a weird thing where I just thought, where, like, what, why would you even want to have that surgery yeah. in the first place? I think it's such a, like, I've been experiencing it quite a lot during, well, especially during the beginning of lockdown when I was looking at myself a lot more than I ordinarily would because I was on calls all day and you see your own video and you're suddenly confronted with <laughs> an image of yourself, you know, a film of yourself in real time that you wouldn't, you wouldn't have in real life. You don't, you know, us talking now face-to-face, we're in a bubble, it's okay, talking face-to-face, I don't also have a mirror here. I'm not watching myself. So, you know, it's a completely unnatural situation. So it sort of forced, well, I'm sure it's not just me, forced people to think a bit about how they feel about themselves. And, like, I also, you know, follow a lot of body positivity people online and fat activists, and I'm completely, completely bought into the idea that... um, capitalism runs on you feeling particularly women feeling terrible about themselves and then offering them products that will supposedly make them socially acceptable and it's that social acceptability that um is sort of the driver behind a lot of this I think because if you're in a cave by yourself you don't really care but anyway um yesterday I did a workout an online workout and it was great fun it was like a silly like 80s aerobics thing and I got to the end of it and I cried because I didn't look like the instructor because and the I was instructor, like, who was the instructor? She was like this lovely, not like skinny, skinny, but she was clearly a dancer, you know, muscles, like flat stomach, visible abs. And you looked great doing all the moves. And I was like, I know, I didn't have my video on, but I was like, I know I look like a heffalump doing these moves. <laughs> and like, that shouldn't matter. I was doing the class because I thought it was going to be fun and moving your body's good for you. And, 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 you know, and I enjoy exercise anyway. But that whole thing about like, even though I am somebody who thinks about this stuff a lot and has the like the notions in my head of uh, it's a sham and a complete, you know, capitalist scam to make you think that you are lesser than other people because of the way that you look. I know that and I still cried because I didn't look like the instructor because I was having like a low mental health day and I just felt shit about myself. And so like you can 
you can kind of understand how people, well, I think if you've experienced anything like that, you can kind of understand how people get to the point where they think, I've got no option. It's interesting that she used that language. I've got no choice but to fly to Turkey to get implants. Like, when you look at it from the outside, you're like, that is mad of course you have options don't fly to turkey being one of them but you wouldn't you're not at the stage where you would actually consider doing like getting any surgery done yourself have you ever been there have you ever been at a place where you think oh my goodness i like i i i have no choice not that i have no choice but i have definitely thought about it and even this week i thought about it like i quite often think about what it'd be like just to get rid of all the fat on my body and just start again and like Sometimes I sort of justify it to myself in terms of like, well, I run, I'm a runner, I love running. And it would be so much easier to run if I didn't have the size boobs that I do, or if I didn't, you know, I I would have less weight to carry (laughs) on my run. So sometimes I justify it to myself like that. But then, yeah, you get stuck in then the cycle of, well, I shouldn't think like that. You're bad for thinking like that. Oh, you're bad for thinking that you're bad for thinking like that. Like it can really, (laughs) it can take you to quite a dark place quite quickly. Yeah, I am. I, I'm somebody who you probably describe as uh, fit and healthy, in good shape, and uh, athletic. I'm athletic, definitely. Yeah, you see that. Like already, I I can't take that as like. Oh no, that's like. I just think I'm too skinny. I need to put weight on. I need to look like a rugby player. I need to look like Joe Wicks, for example. I need abs of steel. I need good pecs, you know, that I can sort of, you know, when they do the Terry Crews. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you remember Tony from Milton Keynes? What was that show? That quiz show? You don't remember this? And they had to like jump in the pool and stuff. And they had Tony from Milton Keynes as a bodybuilder. And he could, and they did this thing where <laughs> Saturday night TV in the nineties, like this is what they, you know, just the objectification of, no. of men. Anyway, he was able to do this stuff with, with his pecs. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I always feel that there's just something telling me that I'm just not good enough, basically, and that you need this uh, health supplement or you need to exercise in this way or whatever else it is. But it's just the you're just a, a weakling, basically. You can't look after yourself. You've never been in a fight. Like, look at all of these. The, like, look at Anthony Joshua. You know, look, look how he, he can handle himself. He's a real man. It's so interesting that it takes you to other like the morality and the values that it takes you to. So it's not its not just about the fact that um, you feel like you should be a certain body type and you feel bad because you're not that body type. Like it then extends into you, it, you feel like it makes you less of a man. And like, yeah. and I feel like it makes me, I, I have moments where I feel like it makes me less of a person, you know, uh, less socially acceptable. It's the reason I'm single, you know, all it, it, it's, it's bonkers to me just how far those thoughts can extend. And, 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 you know, your manhood is fuck up, excuse my language, nothing to do with your body shape. It really isn't. But somehow the way that we, I mean, there are so many things we could talk about in terms of the way that we're conditioned and the way that we're brought up is that your mind equates those things. And then it makes, it, it takes you to a completely other place, which realistically is actually nothing to do with how you look. But I think this is the bit that gets me because like you and me, I don't know, I don't think we're the only ones. Certainly you could be a very popular Instagrammer, YouTuber, and you still think you have problems with your with your body. So it baffles me that if we all like are aware of all of this stuff, then why we still feel this drive towards something which 
usually unobtainable, but really shouldn't matter anyway. Yeah, I I hear um, a lot of fat activists talking about the morality of it and the fact that the way that fat people get treated is um, there's something morally defunct about them. Like if you think about how fat people are treated in the context of healthcare, you know, some people will say that they've been refused doctor's appointments or they go in for a particular set of symptoms that really have nothing to do with their weight and the doctor doesn't hear them because they're like, well, you should, you, you should lose weight and then we can talk about it. As if that's like a, it's a prerequisite to being treated as a human and the, and the, the indignity that comes with that is really, really damaging. So what are you saying? Are you saying that if, even if, you know, you, let's say you were a fact fat activist and you can accept your body and you can be positive about it, talk about it uh, in public, but it still doesn't, I mean, you're still suffering the, the automatic prejudice. You sent me uh, a thing, what was it? It was a Harvard study, wasn't it? Where the automatic prejudices. Oh that yeah. We, the implicit biases. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Cause that stuff, that stuff is so, the point about those studies is that these biases are so ingrained to you that you don't know that you're, um, operating within them and so the studies are they're they're association studies and i'm probably gonna do a real hatchet job (laughs) describing them but um the the idea is that all of these sort of categories so there is one about fat and thin there's also one about male female black and white um uh the idea is that there are moral um well there are certain things associated with those categories in our minds including um moral aspects um and so it asks the studies ask you to do things like click on one button when you see someone who you would describe as fat and another button um when you see someone that you describe as thin and then interspersed with those images that it shows you it also gives you words that you are asked to put into a good or bad category um using the same two keys and people respond faster it's it's measuring your response times people respond faster to the stimulus in front of them when things that are in the bad category are shown oh sorry you have to press the same key for the bad category as you do for the fat person it's swapped no it's that's the right way around so it's faster when it's the right sorry not the right way around it's faster when the key that you're pressing is the same for fat people and the same for bad things okay um, and then this, you know, the key that you're pressing for thin people is the same for good people. Your reaction times are slower when it's swapped and the, the key for bad people, sorry, the key for fat people is the same as the key for good things. So it, what's that, what that's showing is that in your mind somewhere, the categories have linked themselves, the categories of thin and fat have linked themselves with good and bad to the point where goodness and thinness are interlinked in your mind in like a neurological way (laughs) because your brain operates faster when it's when those two things are presented next to each other and the same with bad and fat with that it probably seems that it's something that it's like more ingrained you know i was thinking about this with climate change and everything it's like all right why don't we just all sort it out like get rid of plastic (laughs) stop using water you know leaving the tap running whatever uh, using recycled stuff um but it would take ages to change a society to think oh yeah maybe we should think about getting solar panels on our roofs or whatever so i think that's a similar thing with this where it's just like obviously those bias i mean you weren't immune from them right i'm not sure if i've taken the fat one but definitely with race like and a load of other stuff definitely wasn't immune from them myself even though you'd think oh no of course no i don't have a problem with it but uh, and of course you don't but it's it's 
it's in there and it's not, I would say it's not our fault. Right. So how do you move past it? How do you overcome it? (laughs) I think that's probably like the quadrillion dollar question. Um, Interestingly, so I listened to a talk with um, uh, Dr. Jennifer Earhart, I think is her last name. And she's done a lot of these studies when it comes to race and um, psychological biases when it comes to race. And she talked about the fact that um, black people aren't immune from those either. The category, especially in the US, the category black and bad are linked in their minds as well. Um, There are some awful, like, um, awful examples in her studies where um, you're shown the image of a person, black or white, and then you're shown an image that's pixelated and slowly clears and you have to click when you know what it is. And the image is a gun. And if you're primed, if your brain is primed with an image of a black person, you see the gun quicker. Whether you're black or white, you see the gun quicker, which is an awful thing to sort of realise about <laughs> where humanity is at right now. Um, but I think this is where like representation comes in. And, I, and you know, sometimes this this gets derided as like tokenism or or you know political correctness or whatever but it does matter it does matter if growing up you see people like yourselves in multiple different ways and not always typecast right it matters if you see um if the only people that you see on television who are black are more often than not criminals on your favorite cop show or whatever like that stuff matters i think that's that's what that's the point of these studies for me is that stuff really sticks um and and because we're social animals and we look to other people for for cues about what we should do in our environment, if all of your cues from TV, culture, whatever, are predominantly biased, then you're going to be biased as well, whether you want to be or not. Um, so it's not definitely not a silver bullet, but I think representation in culture is super important. How does that change, though, over time? <laughs> like, you know, because I think about this with... Um... With newsreaders, right? I wonder, like, you know, Moira Stewart in the eighties, what it must have been like for her as like the, like, oh my goodness, she's a woman. Oh my goodness, she's black. Mm-hmm. Like, and she's reading the news. <laughs> that's far out. <laughs> and uh, obviously now, that's that's not that's something that isn't uncommon. Is that the type of thing that you're talking about when you're talking about representation? Yeah, I think so. And things like um, things where race isn't commented on or gender isn't commented on, like it's not like, oh look, we've got a woman in or um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, uh, well, I, a great one is in cycling. In the, uh, I don't know if you know of Cherry Pridham, mm-hmm. or Sher- it's Shez. She's Shez. It's I think it's, it's Sherry. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Sherry Blair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I apologise that that's my <laughs> reference point. Anyway. Yeah, but that's it. But she is the. Uh, I, I say I, I'm not going to because I'm not going to make the same mistake that everybody else has. Uh, but she is a. A sport, a sporting director, director sportive. She's basically uh, like a coach right. in cycling. She's like one of the bosses. She'll be uh, controlling how the team are racing on any particular day. Uh, she's been in the sport for donkey's years, but she is she happens to be the first female director sportif uh, in the men's world tour. So it's like the tops, like the Premier League. Doesn't get bigger than this in the men's side and it's all it's only really men that are involved maybe you get female uh 
you know, press officers or you might get female people who are running the teams uh, behind the scenes, not like the actual cyclists. Um, and yeah, maybe you get the swan years with the, you know, people do the mass, the massages and all the rest of it. Uh, but you never get a female director. And now everyone's sort of jumped on it and, and the focus just on that, you know, rather than she's been doing this job for years, just maybe not at the at the top level. Do we need to make a big deal out of it? Like, like, oh my goodness. So it's a surprise for us. So we think, well, we need to fill more female jobs in, in the sport or do we just not mention it at all and just go, yeah, she's a female in cycling and as there are many females in cycling and we don't really need to make a big deal. I think she would probably say, no, don't make a big deal of it because I've been in it for years. But... She has also said that she's had messages from uh, young women wanting to get into the sport, um, either through, you know, as a cyclist or as a boss. And they've said, look, you've been the inspiration for me now. And you've given me, you know, the drive that, 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 I, you know, that I was looking for. You've told me that I can do it. Basically, you've, you're the shining example. And that's representation. But at the same time, those people might not know about her if it wasn't a big deal in the first yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. I think you have to go through the stage where it's a big deal to get to the point where it's not a big deal. Where know? we're not talking about it anymore. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like it's like all of those things where there's like a women's award for whatever or, you know, specialist groups and, and safe spaces for, for minorities. It's one of those things where you need them until you don't. So you need like a women's award for, I don't know, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of that Fleabag episode with Kristen Scott Thomas and, you know, she's, she wins an award for women in business and she's like, oh, infantilizing rubbish. Um, and yeah, you need a, you need a, an award for women in business until there are enough women in business that you're just in, everyone's in it together. So you, yeah, you kind of need it until you don't. I think the bits of culture that that I've really enjoyed are where gender and race aren't ignored, but they're not their own, the only defining characteristic of a person. So things like um, Bridgerton. Yeah, you need to tell me more about this. I've not watched it. Oh, yeah, it's fun. It's it's quite, I mean, it's escapist silliness, but it's, it's also... Is that allowed? <laughs> I think it's encouraged uh, at this moment in time. Um, it should be on the NHS. Um, but they, they, they make some comments about like, you know, it's set in Regency period, so obviously there's very, very strict rules about around men and women and um, interactions and 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 women only sort of existing to get married and have children, etc. and whatever. So they make some good comments about it, and there are some really cool characters in it who kind of break the mold. But um, there's a lot of black people, and like the Queen is a black woman, and I heard it. Is it set in the UK? Yeah, yeah, set in the UK. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, but it's by Shonda Rhimes, um, black American producer. Um, yeah, and I had I read some stuff about it being like gender blind casting, and I I sort of disagree that it's gender blind because in it they do sometimes make reference to the fact that they are not white, and in in reference to the power and the positions that they hold in society. You know, at one point I can't quite remember exactly the scene, but one of the characters is talking about like, you know, we we we've done it basically, we've arrived. Look, the queen's black, like we're allowed to be here, and the other characters like, don't fool yourselves, like the white people gave it to us and they'll take it away as soon as we stop acting like they want us to. Um, which I thought was really interesting um, in and of itself. But I also really enjoyed the fact that uh, they're what you would, what you would maybe in a, you know, in a form check as like a diversity marker, the fact that they were black or the fact that they were women was not, well, not the gender thing because it's Regency period. But anyway, the fact that they were black wasn't their defining characteristic, but it wasn't ignored either it's almost like it was set in the modern time but they just 
like made them wear costumes because it would look <laughs> good on Netflix. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some fun stuff in it as well. Like there's, um, they obviously go to balls because it's a Regency period and they're like debutantes and, you know, it's the season, the yeah. season in the ton. Um, and they have orchestras at all these balls playing the music that they dance to, but they're playing uh, modern music, which is quite fun. So once uh, you realise that they're doing that, it's then a game in each episode to be like, which song is this? Oh, what? So they're doing Rihanna... But, yeah. but with violence. Yeah, they did like a Billie, Billie Eilish one. Um, if only I know who that was. <laughs> she's very cool. She's very, she's like 12. Did, she's didn't really she young. do the new James Bond? Is that she what, did, that, yeah. That's yeah, right, that's yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I think I've seen her. Is, is, is she, um, is she non-binary? No, she just wears very baggy clothes. Okay. Which uh, I... She's gone for the androgynous look. She's sort of... I think she, I mean, to be fair to her, she's very young as well. And she was making a really good point about like, what, what's my body got to do with anything? <laughs> like, you don't get to see it. <laughs> I'm a singer. I'm a musician. Um, well, that's like, we've sort of come full circle, right? Because immediately I'm thinking like, okay, well, I, I'm making a comment about her appearance, basically. Yeah. Straight off the bat, without even really thinking about it. But, but that's the thing. It's hard not to. Like, I don't know... I don't know if this is a thing that you think about, but when I have, when I see friends who have small children, I'm really conscious of the things that I say to those small children. And it's really hard not to slip into, oh, those are pretty shoes for a girl. Or like, oh, wow, you, you look at you stomping around like a boy. You know, it's really hard not to slip into that because that's what you've heard your whole life. Yeah. Um, and I do try, and it probably annoys friends of mine that are parents, but <laughs> I, do, I, I try not to use things that are typically gendered as compliments for their kids yeah. uh, and calling a young boy mate as i do and uh, a young girl sweetheart as i do uh, it's just i, I can't I, and i find i catch myself doing it and it's like well, what, uh, maybe i'll call a boy sweetheart or whatever but then their parents will look at me like what are you doing yeah. it's a, it's an odd thing right and that's what i'm talking about with the i can change it but then everybody else looks at it like it's a bit odd yeah, you know, yeah. For example, me taking my, uh, taking Emma's surname, for example, like people just think that's just a bit bizarre. Like, yeah. And we can change it, we can do it, but then people just go like, like, that's, I don't know. And that's the thing, you know, at the end of the day, we are all social animals. Some of us are more pioneering than others. You know, some of us are higher on the, uh, what's that scale where it's like dis disagreeableness. The, the, the people that really change things are very disagreeable because they kind of don't really care what people think about them. Um, but most of us aren't that. Most of us aren't pioneers. Most of us kind of somewhere in the middle. And so it's more of a like, I'll do it if you do it. But if no one else does it, then you're sticking out by yourself. And it's a really vulnerable place to be emotionally and mentally. It's really vulnerable. Yeah. And I'm assuming, I mean, I don't know because I don't know any of, I don't know of any fat activists either, but I'm assuming it must be a similar kind of level of, uh, of nakedness. Uh, pardon the pun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. And this is where online communities are really helpful because you can ground yourself. I've been thinking about it a lot for a while, but especially in lockdown, like the kinds of people that you talk to and the different things that are taken for granted in different communities. So I spend a lot of time looking at content by fat activists. I have also, in the course of my work and study, spent a lot of time with the LGBT community. Um, and... Um, there's just certain things that are unspoken and um, make life easier because they are unspoken. So things like, um, like when I was interviewing people about trans pride, 
for them, also for a lot of people, sorry, trans pride felt like a space where they could just relax because they didn't have to constantly explain their gender to each other because they all got it, like they all know. And so they can just be themselves and that's fine. Um, And similarly, I've had a lot of people in the fat activism world talk about like, I I can't remember who put it like this, but coming out as fat, Hmm. like putting other people at ease by acknowledging like, I know I'm fat, it's okay. You don't have to like skirt around the issue because it's awkward. Um, And how with other fat people, you just don't necessarily have to have to do that. Yeah, it's such a weird thing because I I literally, I watched a video the other day. uh, She's another cyclist, Katie Cookerborough. She's saying how cycling saved her life. She had an eating disorder. Um, She was someone who basically yeah she couldn't really like eat what she wanted without piling on the pounds it's just obviously something that happened very very naturally for her and even when she went running like it it never she could she found it really really difficult to to lose the weight and everything else um and yeah she it was somebody at her work said like oh my goodness when when are you due kind of thing because because she, she kept fluctuating so much with the weight with the with all of the eating disorders um some some days she'd look you know she'd be it would appear very skinny and then you know six months down the line she was she was a size 14 16 whatever it was again and then suddenly oh well, she must be pregnant right because there's no other way to explain you know you putting on weight that quickly and people find it very difficult to say oh like so everybody's quite, quite quick to say, oh, you've lost weight or whatever. Yeah. But it's to say it the other way around would be completely, well, it just wouldn't, socially it just doesn't work, right? No, no, no. And, no. and then I think there's that thing of like, well, I wonder how her, she said, Katie Cookerborough herself said, oh, if I, I, you know, I was devastated. And she ended up going traveling for a year because she couldn't go into work because she was so embarrassed. Wow. But I wonder also what it was like for her colleague as well. And that's the kind of thing that we're, I guess, I don't know, is this what this podcast is about? Talking about things that we can't really talk about because how does that colleague then go to Katie and say, look, you know, I've noticed you put on weight. Like, is everything okay? Like, what's the deal? Like, if it was something that was okay and we could talk about these things, I don't know. How, how would you how would, how would you take it if somebody came up to you and said, well, what happened? When are you due or whatever? Or, 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 just, or just started talking to you about your weight anyway? So there's a couple of different things here. One is that, I have been offered seats on the tube before <laughs> because people think that I'm oh, pregnant. I'm laughing. It's not funny. <laughs> well, in that moment, it's hard to know what to do because like, I, I'm not super skinny. I'm not, but I, I carry weight in such a way that it doesn't, it doesn't go to my hips. It goes all to my tummy. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I can, I can understand why somebody would make that mistake, but I didn't really know what to do in that moment. Cause it was this poor girl. She was, you know, she's quite young she tried to offer me her seat several times and I just said no several, several times. times. Yeah. And she said, and at one point she said, but you're pregnant and patted her tummy. And I said, no, I'm just chubby. And she sat back down. I was like, have I just shamed that poor girl? And I don't mean to shame her. It's not her fault that she, it's a nice thing to do to give your seat to a pregnant woman. It's just, unfortunately, she was giving it to a woman who was not pregnant. Um, but that's the thing. You, you automatically felt guilty for shaming her, even though, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a comment about how you appear. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how did you feel at the time? It was it was definitely like a mix of emotions. Like I felt kind of, I felt a little bit angry that she had made that assumption. I felt guilty for shaming her. I felt annoyed that um, I was even having any kind of emotional reaction to it in some ways. And then there is also then the the sort of 
the the overriding thing of oh my god someone thought you were pregnant and like that's like the societal level of it, it's it's the worst thing in the world to be overweight or it's the worst thing in the world to be thought pregnant when you're not as a woman um and I think yeah I managed to get that voice a bit quieter um but yeah there's just there's just I don't I just don't know what what a good reaction in that moment looks like because it's also not like I think the thing about commenting on someone's weight is like it's it's odd when you think about it that that is acceptable that it is acceptable to comment on that element of someone's appearance even if you don't know them so friends talking to each other about like oh you got a new haircut or whatever you know that's that's one thing but kind of strangers saying or people that you don't know that well commenting on your weight is a little bit odd when you think about it um but in 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 the instance of being pregnant that is generally a positive thing <laughs> so so it's not even like I can take offense because she was calling me overweight and she meant to you know like the intention behind it was a positive one the acid test for me would be how you felt inside like whether if you said yeah well like I could see why she thinks that you know, whatever the truth is. Yeah, I could see what, what she, why she thought that and I'm okay, I'm just going to get on with my day. She, she, it came from a good place or whether it triggers something else where it's like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm awful. I'm rubbish. I need to sort out my appearance because otherwise this is going to keep happening and it's a, a very embarrassing for everybody. Yeah, I'd say it's a bit of both. I'd say for my reaction in that moment was a bit of both. Like it was definitely a well, I'm never wearing this particular dress again <laughs> because it clearly clings to me in such a way as to give the impression that I'm pregnant. And also, clearly, I am not doing enough exercise or I'm eating too much or whatever, whatever. Um, there was definitely that that level of uh, of thought. Um, I mean, it must happen to people all the time. Yeah. It must. Like, I remember a school friend who is who is very slim telling me about how I, I saw her for dinner. This is years ago. I saw her for dinner and she had just gotten off the tube and she said somebody had just offered her a seat and she had to be like, no, look, I'm not pregnant. I'm not pregnant. And like smoothed down her coat because she was wearing a lot of layers. Um, and I remember just thinking about that and being like, but that's not, that's not actually even an indicator sometimes if you're pregnant. Like, you know, in the first three months, most people wouldn't notice any difference in your shape. And also I, de I definitely at that point remember feeling shame of, if somebody offered me a seat, I couldn't do what my friend had just done and show them that I was not pregnant because I don't have my friend's slimness. Um, Moral of the story is don't offer your seat unless they've got it back. Yeah, exactly. Moral of the story, be an absolute dick and stay seated. <laughs> <laughs> Percentage-wise, like how positive, you know, 100% being... Like, uber positive and not percent obviously being not very positive at all how positive do you feel about your appearance your body um how you you know how you carry yourself in public um it's low it's it's probably it's probably around the 20 percent mark 20 percent. yeah but the thing the thing that i think is difficult is that is what that then, it's kind of what we were saying at the beginning, what that then leads to thought-wise, you know? So it's not just that I don't love my appearance, it's that I then equate that in my head with, well, that's why you're single, or people will think you're less professional, or um, you're clearly a worse person because of 
not being happy with how you look. Um, in some ways, lockdown has made me care less a, a little bit. Like, I never put on makeup for work, ever. Um, I will, you know, I'm clean. <laughs> Wash my hair when I, I am should. Not, I have not showered in uh, four or five days now, I don't think. <laughs> but maybe that, and this is maybe a slightly separate thing, but it's an interesting, like, I think there's maybe a gender divide there as well of like for a man to be sort of sweaty and unshowered it's like oh it's working hard or whatever I don't know there's something slightly more acceptable about you saying to me I haven't showered for four days versus me saying to you I haven't showered for four days uh that's really interesting I used to live with a woman actually only showered once a week uh, out of environmental uh concerns which I remember at the time I didn't react to that at all uh but I did react just now when you said uh, if you had told me that you haven't showered in four days bit weird because uh, I mean Emma has done that mm. and then uh she feels really self-conscious about it whereas I I just yeah. don't, I don't think. there's also an interesting thing again in some of the fat activism stuff that I've been listening to and reading that that with there's there's again like an association in people's minds with fatness and uncleanliness mm. and um and a couple of people that I've listened to have talked about the experience of like showering more often than than most other people and you know washing their hairs and like going to great lengths to sort of show that they are clean because um that association happens and if a fat person didn't shower for four days and emma didn't shower for four days your reactions to to both emma being very very slim you there's, there's like a i don't know a kind of a cool abandon when it's a skinny person in i'm talking generally you know hashtag not all whatever fat people thin people but yeah your reaction typically to a fatter person would be oh my gosh that's disgusting um and people talking about you know being at the gym and like showering before they'd go to exercise and then afterwards just so no one could say <laughs> you're you're gross you know hmm. and and that's solely a weight thing like for, that's solely associated with weight for you like that kind of cleanliness thing not just like a societal, like you should, you should come dress for the occasion. <laughs> well, I mean, to a point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I would like it if, if you showered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should have, I'll, I'll shower before the next one, I promise. No, I, yeah. I mean, I'm joking, but like, you know, there's obviously like, <laughs> cleanliness is generally good. Um, um, but it is, it's something that I have heard fat people say is another sort of dimension to the judginess that they get yeah um and so yeah they're being judged they get judged more quickly for um not being super clean more quickly for what they're eating um there's one fat activist that i listen to a lot who talks about being in a supermarket and a woman coming over and taking out a watermelon from this person's trolley because the woman was like, it's too much sugar for you. You shouldn't have it. You are joking. That actually happens. Yeah. And this woman is, you know, she's about our age, you know, mid to late 30s. You sure it wasn't like a prank or something? No, no, like no, no. This is cameras. real. I mean, this is in the US where I would argue people are terrible, but <laughs> I don't mean that. Um, but no, it, it was real. And it was, you know, sort of a few years ago. So this is the uh, this is the thing I, I really want to... Do you... How often do you feel like judged, because I'd probably say I have a similar percentage value, maybe a bit higher, maybe 30%. But I think for me, I've, I, well, I don't know about you, but I think I've, 
I think I've probably can't, I, I've, I've, I have a level of acceptance which is higher than the thirty percent. It's like, yeah, I'd like it to be like, but it's fine how it is, kind of thing. But I don't really. I mean, seldom do I feel judged. I, I, I've definitely been. Uh, I mean, I've definitely had comments from other men about my uh, skinniness. Really? I guess, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, which definitely affects me. But I mean, it's not very regular. So who's giving you these comments, like? Well, there'd be, there'd be stuff like, for example, there was a guy uh, I used to work with in Australia and we were talking about, it's usually cycling related, but yeah, he was saying, you know, uh, like uh, as if your chicken legs would get you, you know, up over that hill or whatever, that kind of thing. You know, like car, like having big calves for me is like, is something that, you know, it. not all cyclists have big calves, but it's like a thing which like I, I need to have, I don't have them, but I, I really, I really want them because it's like a sign like, oh, oh I've, I have achieved something in this in this thing. And uh, is it sorry to interrupt you, but is in terms of that feeling of achievement, is is the is the having of the big calves more of an achievement than the getting up of the hill? I, t- I tell you what it is, and this is the thing that I, th- I think it links to that question of like, do you feel judged? Because it's 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 fitting in, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, it's looking the part, isn't it? So if if on a on a hot summer's day um you know someone's someone's behind you or if I, let's say i'm i'm behind someone you know, i'm looking down at like what what shape their legs are in uh, automatically and if you know if i see um i remember i was bikepacking in france and this this guy who was who was obviously a very very good cyclist because i cycled along with him and i've struggled to keep up for a bit but uh you know, I saw him go past and I was like, whoa, like, look at his legs. Like, it's just, it's just mind blowing. Like there's, why can't my legs look like that? <laughs> and, uh, and it's like, I felt like, oh, if I don't, he would look at me in the same way. And then he would say, all oh, right, this guy's clearly a lightweight kind of thing. You know, I don't know if he did, I didn't ask him, but you know, that's, that's the bit where like, I feel like I'm being judged in that kind of level and certainly in terms of uh talking about um uh i don't know uh, like handling yourself or whatever or fighting or that kind of thing like i'm not i'm not into fighting i've never really been in a fight uh and so um but you know speaking to to bigger men who box you know or go kickboxing or do jujitsu or all of that kind of stuff like there's, I, I feel the eyes like sort of, you know, lasering in on me and going like, well, obviously like, look at you, you're, you're not going to last here kind of thing. And I actually joined a boxing club at uni because a, a fellow who was in my, my halls who had all of the women because he looked, he was like, he was pumped up. Um, yeah, I joined the boxing club because of him and like, and because I thought that was the only way that I could get, you know, good looking women basically that that's that's how I felt so that's those are the times when I felt judged but walking down the street no so I think I I sort of that's where that level of acceptance comes in because it's it's just ridiculous I'm riding a bike like anybody else it doesn't really matter I'm not going to join the jiu-jitsu gym anytime this year maybe maybe I will in the future but it doesn't really matter right it, it I'm okay with it but I don't know if it's different for you when you walk, when you feel like you walk out the door and some, you know, and do you, do you feel the eyes on you and you think, oh my goodness, like, what are they looking at me or? Well, before I answer that, I just want to, there's just some really interesting things in what you just said. And one of the things that you said a couple of times is this idea of like being in a fight, being able to handle yourself. Yeah. And you've been in maybe two fights in your entire life. Well, I, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, when I say, the fights that I've been in, 
I, they weren't of my making, shall we say, <laughs> or maybe they might have been of my making, but they weren't something, it wasn't like a choice, like, yeah. come on, then, let's have it. It's just interesting that like, the, the, like the specific thing again about like body shape and being tied to some kind of sense of manliness or identity right. or whatever, like you, you're probably not thinking about how skilled you are at doing the limbo, which I imagine you've also done maybe twice in your life. Yeah. Like it doesn't play maybe on your mind. Times. Okay. Well, there, yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, make it, I don't know what else is a really super skilled thing to be able to do. Juggling. Juggle, yeah, like mm. how often, you know, when there's no moral equation or no um, bigger sort of uh, consequence or, or, or impact on your sense of identity because you're not very good at juggling. Yeah, I'd have to admit, it's because men are meant to be physical uh, specimens. They are meant to do the, the work, you know, they're the laborers. And uh, I, well, I, I say I've got to make sure that I explain that because it could be taken the wrong way. When I say the work, I mean like the labor work, you know, like the digging of the holes. The chopping the, of the wood. Exactly. The building of the house. The bit, exactly. All of those things. So, um, and even though that's obviously, I mean, it's not applicable in the 21st century, but there is still that thing. And it's like, you know, I need to be that person uh, because that's what, a man should look like, I guess. That's the the monkey or the caveman or whatever in me, which is like, well, you have to be harder than the next bloke because the, ne the next bloke will be taking your woman in a minute and having kids with her and then get, you know, you're going to look like a bit of an idiot. So it's Very animal kingdom, isn't it? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but again, that's the other interesting thing that I thought that you said was this thing about, you know, getting the beautiful woman. Hmm. Like he had all the girls or whatever. And like that being a goal, it's almost sort of cliched, isn't it? Like the James Bond thing of like cars and girls and whatever, and you know, girls sell or like sex sells or whatever. It's almost a cliche, but it's it's no less um, unreal for being a cliche. Like that pressure was clearly on your mind. Yeah, and it, and it isn't really a cliche because Emma goes on like you know we're watching TV and if uh, you know hot guy takes his top off or whatever, then. She's all over that, you know. <laughs> so it, it's being it's being reinforced <laughs> every oh, day. I see. Okay. <laughs> by Emma, I mean, but not in a bad way, you know, because she, it's. But it's. I understand. I think, and again, that's a level of acceptance, which speaking to you about this has has reinforced that for me, which is good. But it's that. Like, I don't need to be. You know, I'm, I'm married to this woman, so it doesn't really matter. Um, if she wants to go off with these blokes, then, you know, crack on, I guess. Uh, <laughs> nothing I can do about it, basically. I am the way that I I am. And yeah, she, of course, she would, she likes athletic guys or whatever, you know, she likes buff guys. So, so what? Like, that's not a bad thing to, to like, you know, I can't, I can't attack her for liking that kind of image because, you know, that's, that's what she likes, right? I'm sure there are an equal number of women who like uh, you know, chubbier guys, uh, skinny guys, the, the whole gamut, right? There may be fewer, <laughs> admittedly, but there are though there are those out there, right? And it's exactly the same for the for the men who like chubbier women, really really skinny women, or whatever. I'm kind of you know I I take people as they come. I think for me, mm. and I think that's the difficult thing, isn't it? Because, um, you know, before we had. Uh, internet dating or whatever um you, you go and meet people in a pub or whatever and but you you are looking for the and there, there was definitely as i was growing up this was again something that was reinforced there's a, there's a 
there's a level, right? There's a oh, hierarchy. Oh, exactly. So you you've 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 done your your reconnaissance and you've gone done your uh, cordon patrol, <laughs> right? Okay, I've got my eyes on one, two, three women tonight, you know, whatever. And then you and then it's like, all oh, right, okay, well, that's not working. So. You know, I'll go for the B team or whatever. And then it's like, you're, we used to call them 10 to twoers, right? Because oh, it was, do you know what I mean? It was <laughs> yeah. like, grab whatever you can oh, before the night because otherwise you failed, right? If yeah. you, in your conquest, yeah. right? Again, it's all very animal kingdom. It's all very much the idea that you need to, your ultimate goal as a living being is to propagate your gene line, right? And to to have healthy offspring that will live to have their own offspring and ensure the continuity of your gene line and so you end up sorting people into alphas and betas and all the way down to <laughs> omegas i imagine as well yeah. based on markers that somehow intuitively because of the society that we're in markers that give you cues as to somebody's um fitness and by fitness i mean like evolutionarily speaking like their ability to have and um um care for good offspring that will then live um you know long enough to have their own and so all of these things about people preferring athletic people it's kind of linked to status and this idea that then maybe they are going to be able to give you good genes and take care you know you're going to have good children they're going to be able to take care of them um because the thing that I was thinking when you were talking about women preferring different male body types is that I think I've only really recently sort of fully committed <laughs> to the idea that I prefer a chubby man, <laughs> like yeah. a bigger, chunkier, like not like ripped mu rugby player, but like a like somebody who's been probably in the front line for a good uh, front row for a good few years and is a bit battered. But, yeah. you know, a, a club, a, a local club. Uh, from yeah, 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 yeah. Or someone like Dan Cole, who if you like met him in an alleyway, you'd be like, well, you're clearly like a beer drinker, <laughs> not like one of the greatest front rows. Anyway, um, it, I think it took me a while to commit to the idea because there's still that like societal level idea of you need somebody or you should find people attractive who are athletic, who have these markers of status, you know, look like they probably have a lot of money or, you know, good family or whatever. All of these sort of cues that are telling your uh, sort of lizard brain, this is a good specimen to mate with, you know. It's interesting and difficult to like tease apart what is real for you versus what is a product of your group of friends, your wider community, your society that you live in, the messages that you've received growing up, the messages that you're still receiving now as to what normal is. And It's that message, isn't it? That there is a perfect, there is perfection that, mm -hmm. that exists in something, right? Whether it's, uh, you know, from early days at school, you know, you had to be clever, you had to pass exams, all the rest of it, that when you are internet dating, you tell me uh, that there is a perfect profile, you know, there's like the, that rush of endorphin you get with like, oh my goodness, this is like, this is perfection for me. And obviously uh, that perfect and, or, you know, that perfect profile is just as flawed as the one who you probably thought was, was it, yeah. was it uh, in the bin straight away kind of thing. Yeah. Or you can go on with internet dating is these cues and these markers that might tell you, they might tell you nothing or they might tell you everything. Um, and they probably change over time. As a side note, I was really good at exams at school and I'm still slightly resentful that adult life does not represent school more <laughs> because I was really good at life when I was at school. <laughs> I knew how to do it. I knew how to pass exams and get good grades. And now, ever since leaving university, I'm a bit like, well, 
everything's just terrible, isn't it? <laughs> well, uh, well, hold on, no. I mean, school was was a lot more, though, right? No, surely that school was about again how you appeared. Uh, you know, definitely appearance is like a big thing. I think for the school that I went to, I would have said, uh, "Are you popular? You know, are you are you are you do are you good at are you academic? Are you sporty?" All of those kind of things. Are you getting on with these people? Uh, you know, homework, all sorts of yeah, different things, right? Uh, whereas now <laughs> you're still passing exams very well, so nothing's really changed. <laughs> like, what? How are you? How, how have you failed this week? This week or this, this year. particular week? I don't know. I think it's more like actually. Do you know what it is? And this is probably a topic for another day, but it's the idea of validation externally or internally. And I think right. being good at exams. Um, when you're at school gives you heaps of external validation because you have a literal grade that tells you how you've done yeah um and so you'd be fucked if you're an 18 year old in 2021 then or 2020 oh god yeah 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 i'd probably go back and like redo my year just so i could have <laughs> a grade at the end of it so just i so knew how i did a, a. yeah exactly yeah. nice stuff um <laughs> yeah anyway yeah and and there's something in there about yeah when you get to adult life you sort of have to do more of your own internal validation <laughs> And give yourself not grades, but give yourself like um, uh, the the confidence to keep doing what you're doing. One thing, actually, I forgot to ask: Do you think it it affects you in terms of like I don't know your standing in your friendship groups and stuff and work colleagues? That's a really good question. I don't think necessarily work colleagues. Like I think I think I'm pretty confident when it comes to my professional capabilities and I think I'm also lucky in that I work you know my workplace is very casual and there's no real premium placed on appearance at all. <clears throat> um I think with friends it's it's a self-imposed thing, you know, if especially if we're all dressed up at a wedding or something, I'm comparing myself. And so it's not, it's, it's kind of what you were saying before, like there's, that no one there is judging me, I don't think, um, but I'm judging myself in relation to them. Um, so sometimes, yeah, but it's it's definitely a self-imposed thing. Yeah, because su summers are actually, I mean, I love summer. It's my favourite, definitely my favourite season, but they're, they're, I, they're, I, I, there's something that I find really scary about it because that's the time when there's that inevitable beach holiday or trip where, you know, you will have to appear semi-naked as a thing. Um, and yeah, you need to be looking good, you know, get poolside and stuff. It's kind of like my worst nightmare because I just think people are going to be looking at me all the time. And it affects then how you, I mean, I, I sort of thought that I was not immune to it, but I thought I was, a, I was a bit over it. But then there was a holiday a few years ago where again we were by the pool and you know i'm i'm probably the least slim of our friends and um the other girls were uh, sorry women <clears throat> the other women were playing in the pool like playing wrestling and playing games and i was like i don't feel safe enough to do that because because of the way that i feel about my body it was a really weird realization like crystallizing moment for me of oh no this is actually impacting how i am and how i enjoy myself and how i relax and things like that um is that how you felt on yeah in summers? Yeah, definitely. I think there's that bit where it's uh, yeah, just have to just be brave and get through it, kind of thing. Uh, and certainly, like, I feel embarrassed to say it, but it, you know, if I'm, I, I will be looking around and saying, like, how do how do I compare to the the next character or whatever? 
Um, and they'll, it will be very much like a, and this is something I don't really, I wouldn't do with, with women where I'm like, Oh, she's got a good bikini body or whatever, but I will be doing it with the, with the blokes instead. And if there is someone who, who I might imagine has a, has a worse body or whatever, then uh, I'll feel, I'll feel a bit better about myself, right? Which is entirely normal and common. Yeah, but it's it's not it's not great, is it? When we live in a, a world of comparison, you know, there's that uh, there's that thing, isn't there, with um, you know people who live on your street or whatever. And if you've got a nicer house than your next door neighbour, you know, that makes you feel feel better. But then it, you know the, the next door neighbour looks at your house and goes, "Well, I don't live in that house, so I feel worse," you know. And um, that's a bit that I feel quite uncomfortable with and also me you know then comparing myself to somebody who does have a, a better body in inverted commas then um yeah that's it's not we shouldn't be carrying on like that really you know and i think um yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's yeah everything's happening at the moment right i watched a couple of did, i don't know if i told you about this about the 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 dawning the dawning of the age of aquarius right <laughs> so uh so the, apparently no one really knows if it started or not, uh, depending on, you know, on how you calculate it, basically. Um, I'm not an astrologer, so I wouldn't know how to calculate it, but it's starting or it has just started. So with it being a new age, a lot of stuff is come up, coming up to the surface. So a lot of this kind of them versus us, you know, this kind of uh, discord that we're all having this sort of disagreement stuff, because a lot of it has been swept under the carpet or what are we calling this under the rug under the rug yeah so a lot of it has been swept under the rug or uh so these things are only just coming out now and there's there is i guess there's two ways of thinking about it is it better just to sort of just keep it you know just keep racist to to being you know in the woodwork or whatever, keep them there. Uh, cause we'd rather have a life where we can all be happy and, and gay and free or whatever. Um, but actually we need the racists all out of the woodwork actually, so that we can, uh, so we can have conversations, you know, so we need all of the fat shamers out of the woodwork so that we can have conversation. But what is it? Actually, we're probably the wrong, wrong people to be having this conversation because, uh, we can we can bring it down to more of an intellectual level where it's oh well it's because of, it's because of this or x y or z or whatever but you know to actually ask a normal person who has fat shamed somebody to say what is it about somebody who's fat like what is it that really gets to you what is it that offends you what is it that really like grates your fucking bones that you feel that you have to come out and publicly shame somebody for their appearance like what is it about them please tell me can we have a conversation about it? but i think that the problem with that approach is that that is that is the tip of the iceberg the people who have actively and consciously fat shamed is a very small group of people compared with the systemic um difficulties that fat people face and I think it's the same with racism. You know, there are a handful of people who will put their hands up and say, I just hate anyone who's not white because I think this, 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 this about them. There are that, there is that group of people for sure. But then there's also the much wider systemic problems of <clears throat> the biases that we were talking about at the beginning and 
how that then leads to fewer black people having higher paid jobs and then the representation comes in there and then you see few pe- fewer black people advancing so in your mind you associate you know highly paid professionals not with black people because you don't see that and, and it becomes this cycle anyway the point that i'm making is that you can have these conversations with people who uh, consciously and out loud hold these views. I'm not sure you'll ever change their minds. You might. But the the sort of the insidiousness of these problems is the real issue. And the fact that it's like baked into how our society functions at the moment, those are the roots that you've got to pull out. And no amount of conversations, I think, will do it. Okay. Although apart from... This is about having conversations uh, so that we can drag these roots up. <laughs> oh, right? yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 good point. <laughs> well, no, so, I mean... <laughs> solving the world one conversation at a time. <laughs> Grand ambition, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's not bad to talk. It's obviously good to talk. And I think there's, there's a lot in terms of dragging people back from oppositions. And, and you know, the, the conversations, what conversations do do is it makes it harder for you to dehumanize your opponent. And that makes it harder for you to act against them in any particular way. Yeah, I just think, you know, we've come with, we, we live in an age now where it's just too easy, isn't it? Just to say, uh, for example, uh, Trump's a nutter and all of the people that follow him are idiots, you know, that, yeah, just brush your hands yeah. off and move on. Yeah, it's like, hold on a minute, you know, and the media loves all of that. It's like, oh, fucking hell, let's, let's just get on them. And yeah. this person will slag this person on, we'll get this person on, they'll slag them off. And it just carries on. And that discord just gets, it's just, you, you just put, you know, the, the match under that. Yeah. Uh, whereas it's like, oh, can we just assess, like, how did we get here, right? Maybe we need to start looking at Obama's presidency. Like, how did we get from Obama to Trump? Like, who was it before him? What were the policies that were in? What, what is this draining of the swamp? Why do people, what, why was it a swamp? Why did it become a swamp? Why do people feel it's a swamp, you know? And I think those people that voted for Trump, it's not because, you know, they get on with him and they love him and yeah, they'd love you, love to go for a pint. It's just like, he is just somebody who's speaking our language. Emma's just walked in. Here's someone who's just speaking our language. So we'll just get on and, and vote for him because everybody else. It doesn't really matter whether he works for us or not, whether he does loads of stuff for us or not. It doesn't matter. He's just speaking our language, right? So, okay. So that's interesting then to, to kind of wrap this up. You're talking about that internal validation, which I think is quite interesting because there is that internal validation that, you know, I guess we've, we've both, we both need to give ourselves with you know, to do with our appearance in regards to our appearance. So um, with that 20%, that's, that's, you know, that's definitely not an A star, right? Uh, so how, how do you, how do you improve that? Well, I think it's what you were talking about. And, and it's the idea that, um, that. Cause I'm, I'm sorry. Cause I'm assuming that you want to improve that 20%, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. You, you, the, the way that you feel about yourself is one mark what that then does to you is a different thing right so it's the thing of accepting it so I might think I'm 20% happy with the way that I look and that's fine because it doesn't really matter or as in my when I'm you know having a lower mental health day I take that 20% and I'm like it means this 20% means I'm a bad person I'm unworthy of love everyone hates me um I'll never be successful whatever successful means you know it it ends up meaning more whereas I think for me it's not so much on my better days it's not so much about improving the 20% it's not about saying right well I'll just run harder or like 
eat less or whatever. It's more about saying, okay, I feel 20% and that's fine. And that's, that doesn't have an impact on the rest of my A bit like life. 20% in general studies or whatever. It's not that you need to get an A star in that. So it's fine. Yes, exactly. Body image is the general studies of the adult Yeah, era. okay. Yeah, no, I get it. Anyway, today we have covered... Yeah, so many things. But <laughs> next week will definitely be a lot more streamlined. Uh, but I really like having these conversations and I want to have them to learn lots more stuff that I don't know about that is just swept under the rug and under the carpet all the time that we don't talk about enough that I definitely want to understand more about and also start having those conversations with people I either don't know anything about or I just completely disagree with yeah. uh, so I can yeah, same. get that perspective and we can actually start humanizing each other so that maybe we can start you <laughs> do know. we need to humanize each other I thought we were, I thought we were friends <laughs> That was a nice conversation, Becca, um, about body image. Love to hear what, what, what you have to say uh, on it. If anybody is listening, uh, then you probably know us. So just, just, just tweet us. <laughs> Be I kind. Guess. Just text us. We'll read out your text. Exactly. Uh, and next week, we are going to be talking about loneliness, which uh, I think has probably been affecting a lot of people throughout COVID. So yeah, a lot of stuff to look forward to. A lot of it? stuff it's to talk get about. Cheerier from here. Isn't oh it? yeah, right on up. <laughs> Have a good week, Becca. I'll see you then. Thanks for us. You definitely need a medal for getting this far, but all you get is a thanks for listening. The podcast was hosted by me, Foz, and my good mate, Becca Barron. You can find us on the socials. Why not slide into our DMs, if you like? You can find me, at Framed Man, and Becca, at Becca Barron. That's uh, obviously with a double C, uh, B-A-R-O-N. We're produced by Positively Creative. Get in touch with them for all your podcast, video, and photographic needs. And the music was provided by Epidemic Sound. If you like what you heard, subscribe, leave a review, and of course, share this episode with all of your friends. We'll see you next week for another episode of under the rug.